Dr. Abel Damina is the founder and president of Abel Damina Ministries International and CEO of Kingdom Live Network, a Christian satellite TV channel covering Africa, America, Canada, and parts of Asia. He's the senior pastor of Power City International, a multifaceted, multicultural, and multinational gospel center where thousands meet weekly to worship God. He's also the president of International Covenant Ministers Association, a body that provides covering and ministerial resources for ministers of the gospel globally. Dr. Abel Damina hosts the TV program Righteous Invasion of Truth on KLN Africa and KICC TV Europe, through which millions are being transformed across the world. He travels around the globe preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with demonstration of power, and he is a prolific writer and author of several books, which includes The Priesthood of Jesus, The Gospel Reign of Life and Immortality, Grace the Struggle-Free Zone, and the God class, amongst others. He's happily married to Rachel, and they're blessed with three lovely girls, Jemima, Jazimel, and JL, the Triple J, who are blessed with a singing sensation. Now, ladies and gentlemen, with a standing ovation, I bring to the stage Dr. Abel Damina. comes upon clarity by the end of this service your people are equipped built up edified and jesus is glorified thank you for answered prayer in jesus precious name and every believer says a powerful amen. amen lift your right hands to heaven let's release our faith together as we say these words i am born of god i am born of the world the word of god is my nature i do not struggle to do the world i do the word naturally therefore today i will understand the word of his grace i will be built up by the end of this service i will never be the same in jesus name and every believer says a powerful amen give the lord the greatest shout tonight in this building glory 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 you can be seated with your sweet smart self tonight. Glory to God. Great to be back to Refine People's Assembly again. So good to be with Pastor Daddy Ken and the leadership of this house. I want you to know we love you. Always an honor and a joy to be here and to share fellowship with all of you. You know, uh, and it's amazing that we're able to have this number of days to fellowship together in the word of his grace. Can I have a good amen? I'm also glad to see uh, um, Pastor Austin Nabuko with us tonight. Love you, man. Love you. You know, Pastor God's Power from Ayimba is also with us tonight. Love you, man. And Pastor Uko is also with us tonight from Uyo. And then God has gifted me with some men that came with me. Pastor Philemon is always with me. He's here tonight. And uh, Dr. Gabriel is also with me. So glad to have both of you with us in this conference. All right, my books are here. I will encourage you to get them. Get them, you know, um, The Spirit Life, um, gift and call, Gifts and Calling of God, Revelation, Knowledge, Knowing God in Christ, Every Man a Minister. Very important. This is the first you read before Gifts and Callings. Then How to Win in Life, Walking in Love, and the Christocentric Meal. Get them. They will change your life. You know, one of the things you do for yourself when you come to conferences like this is to save some money and get some materials. Brother Paul says, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. There's so much to say 
but we do not have enough time to say them in this conference so when you get the books they will help you fill up the gaps for things we said that you did not understand so get them amen all right are you ready for the word of god tonight all right those of you watching online share the videos invite your friends tag some people let's flood the earth with the truths of the gospel of christ tonight why things happen the way they happen we're examining the sovereignty of god and we've been looking at the mind of god we've been looking at the plan of god for humanity we've been looking at why things happen the way they happen on the earth and we've been answering a few questions beginning from yesterday we're looking at god and we're about to study god yesterday we established that the study of god is called theology and the theology of god is christology the theology of god is christology the study of the spirit is pneumatology the study of the books of the bible is bibliology the study of end time events is eschatology all right and then of course you know the study of salvation is soteriology now all of the logies are tied together by christology that's very important and we began to establish that the, the only way to know the mind of god the only way to understand the plan of god is via the binoculars of christ that christ is the accurate exact precise revelation of the father jesus is the exact precise revelation of the father that's why jesus will say he that has seen me has seen the father because Jesus is the express image of God. The Bible calls him the image of the invisible God. That means Jesus gives visibility to the invisible God. We also took time to look at a number of fundamentals. We arrive at James chapter 1 verse number 13. Let's read together James chapter 1 verse number 13. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot. God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempted he any man next verse but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed next verse then when lust had conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death next verse do not err my beloved brethren next verse every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning so we establish that in humanity the root of humanity or the root of human depravity it's all man-made it begins with desire which will result to sin and sin will result to death all of that is man-made that circle is man-created it's not even god neither is it satan it is man all right every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desire and enticed then when loss had conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death now this is fundamental 
And then we will look at the scriptures very clearly. It says, do not err, my beloved brethren. The word err is the Greek word planao. Planao means do not be led astray. And that act of leading astray is a function of teaching or a function of information. Do not be led astray by teaching. Do not be led astray by information. Information that gives you the idea that God is responsible for good and bad, that bad cannot happen without God's hand in it. That kind of teaching is what James was warning. Do not be led astray. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Then he clarified God's character. Every good gift and every perfect cometh from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness. The word variableness means like options. That is, God has no options. Like he's not like this or like that. He has no options. He is only one way. When you see him, that's all you see. Then he says, neither a shadow of turning. That is, he cannot change. Look at Titus chapter 1 verse number 2. Titus chapter 1 verse number 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot, God cannot lie promised before the world began which god that cannot lie god cannot all right god cannot lie he does not have the configuration to lie the ability to lie does not exist in god so likewise the ability to do evil does not exist in god that statement it's so important god cannot do everything I repeat, God cannot do everything. For example, God cannot tempt anybody with evil. Number two, God cannot be tempted. Number three, God cannot lie. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says, it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Now, please pay attention. It's so important for you to know that God cannot change. In the book of Malachi chapter 3, I am the Lord, I change it not. Malachi chapter 3 verse number 6, God cannot change. God never changes. So, if we see God as one who changes, it is not God who changed. It is our perception of God that has changed over time. God never changes. So if there is any change in God, it is not because God changed. It just means your perception changed over time. Look at a man like Job. Job began to make noise because you've got to look beyond Job's perception to understand what happened to Job. You know, every time Satan tempted Job or Satan and Job got into an interaction, Job was not even aware. So Job kept saying, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken. And a lot of churches, that's their scripture for burial from the mount of an illiterate who doesn't know God. God giveth, God taketh. Why did he make that statement? Because he didn't know God. Somebody said, but the Bible says he was righteous. No, the word righteous there is not righteous as in righteousness. 
The word righteous in Job is upright. That means he was a straightforward businessman. So that's why it was called righteous. Righteous means straightforward, upright. That is, he did not have magumagu in his business dealings. He was a straightforward businessman. I, I don't know if I'm communicating at all. All right. But Job, the fact that he was upright in business didn't mean that he knew who God was. He didn't have... See, the Old Testament does not have a complete revelation of God. From Genesis to Malachi, what you have is a progressive revelation, a progressive, a, a gradual unfolding of the character of God. Because they didn't have revelation knowledge. Why? Because they were not born of God. So since they were not born of the Spirit, they could not receive the things of the Spirit. So there was a gradual unfolding of God's character in activities, in events, and in their experiences of God. So when they experienced God in a particular way, they gave him a name that described their experience. Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Makedesh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Yahweh. Those are fragments, little, little fragments of an unveiling of God's character in people's experiences in their walk with God. That is not a holistic revelation of God's character. Because you see, you can't give God a name. You cannot give God a name. Names are given to distinguish. Because all of us here right now are humans. So I have to say Pastor Daddy Ken. If I just say Pastor, many of you will stand up. So, since there are many pastors, I have to call his name to distinguish. Pastor Daddy Ken. Then you know that even though you are pastor, it is not you we are calling. So, names are given to people to distinguish them. God has nobody in his class. So, there is nobody to distinguish God from. So, that's why he has no name. Moses said, what is your name? He said, I am. I am is not a name. I am is not a name. I am is a description of ability. That is, I am whatever I want to be. If I want to be God the Father, I will be. And if I change my mind to be Christ, I have the capacity to become Christ. And if I change my mind to be Holy Spirit, I have the ability to become Holy Spirit. So you can't call me a name. You can only describe me by my ability. And my ability is that I am what I will be. I don't know if I'm teaching good here. He has no name. God has no name. Because there's nobody to distinguish him from. So when Jesus came, Jesus, who is God, revealed to unveil God, just called him Father. Father. Thank you, Father, that you hear me always. Our Father. Why did he call him father? A description of his responsibility. 
Father is the word patar. It means source, nourisher, provider, sustainer, father. And when you got born again, the spirit of truth that came on your inside didn't give God a name. You received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means Father. So we call him Father, Father. I'm teaching good. Because in the Old Testament, there's no comprehensive revelation of God. So there's a progressive revelation of God. And that progressive revelation took up a body in the incarnation and walked the face of the earth as the embodiment of all of revelation. Jesus is the totality of the revelation of the Father in humanity. That's why if you don't know Jesus, you do not know God. Because God is revealed in Christ. I'm teaching good tonight. If you're flowing, can I have a powerful amen? amen? So Job was not aware that it was Satan that was messing around with him. That is why your perception of God should not be based on your experiences. Your perception of God should not be based on your experiences. You must take note that the Bible is an intelligent book. And you cannot understand it until you read everything. You didn't hear that. The Bible is an intelligent book. And you cannot understand it until you read everything together. You will never be able to know the revelation given in the Bible until you read everything together. You see, when you do piecemeal reading or selective reading, you will arrive at error. Piecemeal or selective. When you cherry pick scriptures, you will arrive at error. We often say, when you want to lay a doctrine in scripture, you must see that doctrine in the book of Genesis as a seed. You must see that doctrine in the law of Moses, which is Exodus to Deuteronomy, as types and shadows. That same doctrine must be seen in the book of Psalm as David's song. That same doctrine must be seen in the prophets as a prophecy. That same doctrine must be seen in the four gospel as one of Jesus' parables. And then that same doctrine must be seen in the epistles as the revelation of God. So it must transverse through the entire books of the Bible for it to become a doctrine. Every scriptural doctrine has its roots in Moses. Every doctrine of scripture. Moses laid the building blocks for doctrine. That's why everything Jesus taught was from Moses. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Which means all the prophets took their teaching notes from Moses. So Moses is the foundation of Bible doctrine. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Bereshit Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures. So Moses led the building blocks for doctrine. You will find that out in a few minutes as we proceed. Which means in other words, you need to read everything together to know who God is. How can you claim to be born again? How can you claim that you serve God? How can you claim that you pray to a, a God and you don't know much about him? You only know little. You can't even answer many questions about him. 
So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, just like James said categorically, Jesus said to them, he says, you do err because you do not know the scriptures. Now, let's begin to deal with something here. Let's look at some laws of Genesis or laws in Genesis. In Matthew chapter 19 verse 3, they came to Jesus and asked Jesus a question. The Pharisees, you know, they always ask stupid questions. They came to Jesus and asked Jesus a question. Let's read a little bit. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? They were asking Jesus, Can a man divorce his wife? Next verse, verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, have you not read Anaginosko? That is, you are reading, are you not paying attention? Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Next verse. And said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Next verse. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together let no man put asunder. Now, so Jesus began to explain to them. Now, look at what Jesus did to them. They said to Jesus, Moses said, put away your wife. Jesus, what do you say? Jesus said to them, Moses said, put away your wife. Now, even if you understand the law of Moses, the law of Moses is very partial. A wife cannot put away her husband. It's only a husband that can put away his wife. Even in the case of adultery. That's the law of Moses. Because a woman is the man's property. And under the law he can do anything he wants to do with her. But the woman cannot do anything she wants to do with her husband. Otherwise he will put her away by the law. By the law. Deuteronomy 24. He said, if a, if a woman is caught in adultery, let the husband put her away. But he didn't say anything about the man caught in adultery. That is why when the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, if it was the very act, it means she was on the bed with the man. But they left the man because the law has no position on the man and picked the woman. That's the law of Moses. Those of you that like the law, hear the law. <laughs> Teaching good. Thank God for grace. Because grace now covers the woman. No, the law has no provision for the... You know, no. <laughs> Under the law, if a woman is having a period, she's not permitted to come close to her husband because she's unclean. But the man can come close to the wife anytime. But the woman has periods. She cannot approach the man. The man is master under the law. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm teaching good. Now, if you have questions, be writing them down. I'm not that kind of preacher that is afraid of questions. Write them down. Because I will create a few minutes to answer a few things so that you go home with clarity. So under the law. So they now say to Jesus, the law say put away your wife. 
You will not find the law say put away your husband. No. Okay? Then Jesus said, how did you arrive at Deuteronomy 24 without Genesis? What Jesus was saying is it will be immoral for you to jump Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and arrive at Deuteronomy without considering what Genesis says because Genesis lays the framework which means in reading the Bible, you must read the Bible in, in its sequential order. That's what Jesus was saying. That's why Jesus himself, in teaching, he begins at Moses. And all, he doesn't begin at the prophets, then Moses. Eh, eh, there's an order of arrangement, bibliology. There's a, a sequential arrangement of the Bible. If you jump that sequence, you can be confused. That's why you read the Bible from Genesis. Then you travel through. So you have a clear understanding. Because Moses laid the building blocks for doctrine. Oh yes. That's why all doctrinal issues, you will see them mentioned by Moses in one form or the other. Heaven, earth, light, darkness. Eat, die. Those are building blocks for doctrine. Huh. Those words from the mouth of Moses, they are building blocks for doctrine. If I have time, maybe by Saturday when I built this message to a level, I will open up a few things. Pray that I will have time. Amen. Pray that we will have time. <laughs> you know. So there's an order. You don't just go, Jesus said to them, how did you arrive at Deuteronomy? Have you not read that Genesis comes before Deuteronomy. In Genesis, he says, what God has joined together. Male and female created he them. The twins shall be one flesh. How did you arrive at divorce before understanding the plan? The plan is no divorce. But Moses now saw that like as it is with all human institutions, human institutions are subject to error. Moses, seeing how men operate, created room for divorce. Because at the end of the day, it's better to divorce than to kill your husband. It's better to divorce than to kill your wife. Because you didn't come to this earth to marry. Marriage is along the line. You were not born with a wife. Neither were you born with a husband. There is no reward for marriage in heaven. In fact, brother Paul says, I wish all of you can be single like me. Paul said, if you are smart, you will be as single as I am. He said, because he that is single, careth for the things of the Lord that he may please God. He said, but he that is married, careth for the things of a husband or wife, and he will have problem in the flesh. 
You come to church with your wife, two of you are smiling. By the time you are closing, your wife's face has changed. What happened? A sister was waving in your direction and the wife thought it was you she was waving. I'm teaching good. I'm teaching good. Please, women be coming down. Be coming down. I'm teaching good. She was not waving your husband. Is your husband the one that received wave offering? Holy hands are lifted to God. So as your living service has face has changed. Instead of you celebrating the revelation, the anointing that came to the service, things that are happening in your life, now you are using the, all the anointing to settle correct. Huh? Why is your face like that? Why won't my face be like that? Why won't my face be like that? Shay, you were looking at her very well. You, what did you see? What did you see? Tell me what you saw. What did you see that I don't have? What did you see? Uh, the husband said, I swear to God, I saw no. He said, if you swear again, God will punish you. Uh, I'm teaching good. Some of you are laughing. There are people here that are suffering right now. I'm serious. I'm serious. You look like this. Say, who are you seeing there? You look like that. I say, eh, you have seen another one. So the husband is sitting in service. He's like this. He said, turn to your neighbor. He's not turning. Say neighbor. He said, neighbor. <laughs> Women. Be coming down. Teaching good. Moses said, because of the hardness of their hearts, that's why he gave them permission to divorce. So that means if you're married to somebody who has a hard heart, that marriage may not make it. It may not make it. Because living with somebody that has a hardened heart can result in murder, it can result in destruction, it can result in violence. Somebody that nobody can tell, calm down, stop, madam, keep quiet. Nobody can talk to her. A woman that is like that is in witchcraft. Is in witchcraft. And there are men that nobody can tell, shut up. No, 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 nobody can talk to me. Witchcraft. Every human being must have somebody, if he tells you stop, even if you are cheated, you stop. There must be somebody in your life that can talk to you. If you don't have any such person in your life, you are a disaster going somewhere to happen. You know why you were born in a house? You were born in a house so you can understand that there are people that are bigger than you. That's why you were born inside a house. And you must never grow to where nobody can talk to you. No. You must have somebody you fear on earth. Somebody say, I fear God. No. Don't fear God. Fear man first. Fear of man is fear of God. 
Because how can you say you love God whom you do not see and you hate man whom you see? To love God is to love man. I'm teaching. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. Sometimes a husband and a wife are going through crises and we just talk about it casually. If you know the pain they are going through, it's not something to talk about casually. Any marriage that has crisis is a call for concern. It's not a call for taking sides. It's a call for concern. It's a call for prayer and counsel because that little misunderstanding can wreck everything. It's a call for concern. But it becomes much more complicated if the parties involved don't hear anybody. Yeah. It becomes much more complicated. Because we're dealing with why things happen the way they happen. You, you know what I'm talking about now. You will know because you were there. This woman wouldn't listen to anybody. She would beat her husband. She would beat her. I'm not joking. It's not, it's not in northern Nigeria. It's in Portacot here. This thing I'm talking about is in Portacot here. She will beat her husband. The man will preach wonderfully. After service, she will land him ministration. I'm not joking. The husband brought her to me because both of them were submitting to me. I would talk to the husband. What did he do? Nothing really that you can lay your hand upon. You can't really lay your hand on something. It will be story, story that has no definition. Why are you doing like this? You say, my husband is eyeing a lady. Which lady? She can't put her hand on the lady. We will pray for them. Mama and I, we will talk. I'm always bringing mama so that the woman will not think I'm being biased. So let a woman talk to woman. Let man talk to man. Let us look at it from man and woman perspective. We will talk and talk and talk from morning till evening. At a point, I started begging the wife, calm down. Calm down, madam. Calm down. In marriage, there is a calming down. There's no marriage that is trouble-free. Every marriage has its own problems. The reason why people survive marital problems is because of patience and tolerance. If you hear that a marriage has lasted 40, 50 years, it is 50, 40 years of patience and tolerance. Endurance. June, I'll be 30 years married. June here. So I know what I'm talking about. When you say marriage that is lasting, it's because the partners have decided to be patient with one another and tolerate and overlook certain things. There are things you don't tear your trouser over. You overlook. You overlook. You excuse it away. The woman will not listen. She kept beating the husband, kept fighting the husband. One day she took pot of soup from fire and poured on the man. The man fell on staircase. From that day, he said, I will not sleep in that house. He started sleeping in his car. Because if he goes to hotel, they will say he went to sleep with a woman. If he goes anywhere, the wife will accuse. So he decided to sleep in his car where you can find him by the house. One day, the husband came to Yenegua here. I was preaching. 
He came here and said, Baba, it's enough and over. If I go to hell, let me go to hell. I love to be in hell than to be with this woman in heaven. I'm not joking. In your office, right? That was the end of that marriage. After the man has closed the marriage, then the woman's head calmed down. The woman started following me all over Nigeria. I said, don't be following me so they will not think I have collected you from your husband. Stop following me. When I tell the light story, let me go back to teaching. Let them not think I collected you. She will cry. She will kneel down. Baba, beg him. I'm sorry. I've seen my... You, you are even there. She came to her. Baba, I'm sorry. My husband. Oh, Baba, I don't want to lose him. Oh. I said... Yes, I did it. Because when I was talking to you as a father, you say my mouth was smelling. Now let you be smelling. Till today, they are not back together. The man told me that for me to go back to this woman, I better go to hell. Bible says it's better to stay in the bush than to live in the house with an angry woman. Or an angry man. It's not just women who one in our church beat his wife until she lost her sight. Then he became the leader of the blind. I'm serious. He, he was the one carrying the stick. Carrying the wife everywhere. As a very good, good ministry. Since you removed the eye, you have become the eye. Oh yeah. Bafam, feed them. Cook for them. Go market. Take care. Madam, relax. Make sure your salary comes every month. Idiotis. Never mind. It's, it's, it's language I spoke. <laughs> the hardness of your heart. You see, that's why Moses allowed you to, to divorce because at the end of the day, marriage is not life or death. You know, and I think people that use these clauses in getting people married should change it since you're all men of God. Till death do us part. Uh-uh. Because you will now come and use death to separate yourselves. You don't understand. Yes, now let's not be using debt. We'll be married till we see Jesus. That's better. We need to visit a few things. Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wife. And as a child of God, you're not supposed to have a hard heart. He said, I will take away from you that the stony heart and give you what? A heart of flesh. You know I'm your father, right? So I can talk to you. Why do people divorce? Hardness of hearts. Does God accept it? Yes. God accepts it. 
Because at the end of the day, you will not go to heaven married. So at one point or the other, there will be separation. Whether alive or dead. So Dr. Damien, are you teaching? Are you teaching divorce? Now I'm teaching Bible. I'm teaching Bible. Moses, put it up. Put it up for me. And then I'll push it a bit further. Are you getting blessed tonight? Wherefore, there are no more twin but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Verse 7. They say unto him, Why did Moses then, if this is what God said, why did Moses contradict God? That's the question. Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her? Because Moses' law is always the wife that is to be put away. The wife cannot put the man away. To put her away. Look at the answer Jesus gave. He saith unto them, Moses, because... Somebody say because... That's the reason. Because of the hardness of your heart suffered you to put away your wives. But from Genesis it was not so. So, there's a doctrinal issue. Jesus has laid the framework here. That Moses allowed for divorce because of the hardness of people's hearts is not a contradiction Moses is not contradicting God it remains God's standard for two people to remain married but if there be a hardened heart where lives are threatened then divorce is allowed However, under serious pastoral counseling. Because sometimes in the process of counseling, we have, have, we have taken care of issues that will have brought divorce. And there are marriages that are together today because they went through counsel and both parties were willing to listen. I'm teaching? Now, why is Jesus dealing with this issue in Matthew chapter 19? Please pay attention. <clears throat> when did God set up that institution? Genesis 2.24. Put up 2.24 Genesis for me. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now, when he said that, he was not talking about a particular marriage. He was talking about marriage. He was not saying, let nobody scatter them. He means what is called marriage is God joining a man and a woman together. Look at verse 7. The intelligent way Jesus now communicated in that Matthew 19. They answered him, why did Moses give them room to divorce? Now remember the questions they asked was from Moses. Because Moses lays the doctrinal building blocks. And Jesus said, go and read. What God created was marriage. 
And that marriage is a man and a woman becoming one flesh. It cannot be two flesh. It will be one flesh. Then they said, but Moses said, you can put away. Then Jesus said, it's because of the hardness of your heart. That means we have the beginning or we have the mind of God revealed in Genesis on issues of life. The mind of God revealed in Genesis on the issues of life and the pattern of God. All right? Now, in the book of John chapter 1 verse 1, he says, in the beginning. Now, whenever you see in the beginning, he's talking about in Genesis. In Genesis was the world. And the world was with God. And the world was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Well, in the beginning. So there's a key principle or a key study we should do in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, which lays the framework for all of God's will and plan for man. Ladies and gentlemen, there are two perfect chapters in the Bible. Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 3 is the fall of man. And from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22, it is God's effort to bring man back to Genesis 1 and 2. Did you just see what I just did? So God's perfect plan is Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 3 is the fall of man. From Genesis 3 to Revelation 22, it is God's effort to bring man back to Genesis 1 and 2, which is his original blueprint for mankind. Now, stay with me because we want to do a little bit of study in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And I'm trying to see if we can cover those three books today and tomorrow, or next tomorrow. Now, Jesus answered a key question. That question is, why can't a man divorce his wife? Jesus said, look, it is one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Then they asked Jesus a perplexing question. They said, but in the same book, Moses said that you can put away your wife. Then Jesus quoted two key chapters, Genesis 1 and 2. And he said, in the beginning, it was not so. So we have two things in our hands. Number one, we have God's plan in the beginning. If you're making notes, that's not a place to miss. We have God's plan in the beginning. Number two, we have things that happen not based on God's plan in the beginning. Number one, we have God's plan in the beginning. Number two, we have things that happen not based on the change of God's nature or a change in who God was, but based on a change in man. Number one, we have the beginning. Then number two, we have things that have happened not based on a change in God's nature, not based on a change in who God was, but based on a change in man. Two important things to take note of. Alright, now, in the beginning, it was not so. Number two, Moses, because of the hardness, change in man, created a room for divorce. 
which is not what God said in the beginning. Observe carefully. Things happened after the beginning. A lot of things. And mostly people view about people's views about God is based on the hardness of man's heart. Let me give you this one for free. In the Bible, Satan spoke. In the Bible, liars spoke. In the Bible, thieves spoke. In the Bible, angels spoke. In the Bible, men spoke. In the Bible, idols, evil spirits spoke. And in the same Bible, God spoke. So the Bible is a combination of speakings. Not just God, liars, Satan, evil spirits, angels, human beings, even animals spoke in the Bible. So that's why the Bible is not the word of God. But the Bible contains the word of God. Because the word of God is not paper and ink. The word of God is a person. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Am I teaching good? That is why the Bible therefore must be rightly divided. If it is not rightly divided, listen carefully everybody. When a preacher is preaching from the Bible and is preaching without rightly dividing the scriptures, he is preaching a lie. Any message preached by a preacher from the Bible that is not rightly divided, he is lying. That's number one. Number two, if two preachers are preaching from a verse and their interpretation are different. Either two of them are lying. Or one of them is lying. You didn't hear that. If two preachers are preaching from a particular context. Or a verse or a chapter. And their interpretation of that chapter is different. One of them is lying. Or both of them are lying. There is only one interpretation. To every context of scripture. Only one. The scriptures cannot mean two different things. Because God is not the author of confusion. Am I teaching? If you're hearing, say I hear you. Yeah. So, if preachers are preaching the truth, you will hear us saying the same thing in all our churches. The same. Because there's a consistency of theology. Moses taught. What Moses finished teaching, he dropped the notes. When the prophets came, they took Moses' notes and taught the same. When Jesus showed up, he took Moses' notes and the notes of the prophets, their own explanation of Moses, and used it as his notes to teach. When he rose from the dead, the apostles took Moses, took the prophets, took Jesus, and taught as apostolic doctrine. So that there is a consistency of theology. 
So if two preachers are reading from a chapter and their interpretation differs, one of them is lying or both of them are lying. You can only arrive at the truth of scripture when it is rightly divided. The word autotomio. Are you still here? Okay. Stay with me. Stay with me. So, people's view of God are things that they have read based on the hardness of men's hearts. That's people's view. So, God is a killer. God will punish you. The God of the Old Testament is more powerful than the God of the New Testament. You think if it was in the Old Testament, you would try it and escape? Ask those who tried it in the Old Testament. They never escaped. That's why a man can say, if I be a man of God, let fire come down. And fire came down. <laughs> and then the disciples of Elijah met Jesus and said, we want to do what? We are students of Elijah. His mantle is upon us. The God of Elijah that answered by fire, he's alive inside me. Jesus, allow us. We are not asking you to help us. We, we are experts. We've been doing it. Allow us to do it on your behalf. Because the way you're doing is like you want to leave Samaria to mesmerize you. You are too gentle for Samaria. Samaria needs area boys. And we are good in this thing. We want to bring fire and clean Samaria out so that you can pass. Jesus says, stop that nonsense. You know not what manner of spirit. So they were viewing God with Elijah's binoculars. Some of us, our view of God is through Elijah's glasses. And when you see God through Elijah's glasses, you will kill. You will kill in the name of God. You know, uh, Pastor Austin, many religions in the world are Elijah's students. In Islam, they believe that if you kill a Christian, you have helped God in removing his enemies. I'm serious. So Muslims believe that killing Christians is a service to God. It's in Islam. So if Muslims believe in killings and men of God are killing, what's the difference? Yesterday I told you some men of God are Islamic, they are Islamic clerics wearing Christian color. Because it's the same attribute of the Islamic God that many pastors are exhibiting. I'm teaching good. They say one man of God cost me. <laughs> I say me. E me. Moi. You cost me. You must be deceived. People like us, cause no they walk. 
No, it's, uh, look for a better technology. Uh, is it that old machine you are still using? Look for better things to do. Not because you go curse us. You no go walk. It's small children in the faith that curse they walk on. Because they don't know much. So when you say, I curse you, they have to do. And when they have to do, fear enters. It opens the door for Satan. People like us, we are Zuma rock in the, in the faith. Cause? For what? You can cause and you never cause Nigerian the corruption to stop. So you can cause like that and Boko Haram is terrorizing people in Borono State. Go there, that's where they need your cause. Yeah, yeah. You can cause like that and arm robbers are flow, moving all over and you can cause clear I'm teaching good. I said I'm teaching good. He said you know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives but to save them. Why? Because God's plan and God's part in the predicament of humanity is salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto what? So anywhere you see salvation, what is at work? The power of God. Not the power of God unto destruction. It's the power of God unto salvation. The power of God only saves. The power of God does not destroy. I hear preachers in America say, God is against America. God is going to judge America. <laughs> so that's why you have tsunamis. You have tornadoes. It is the judgment of God in America. And I say, so you Americans are smarter than God. That God is judging America with tsunamis and tornadoes. And your technology is able to evacuate people out of the judgment of God. So you guys are smarter than God. That there's tornado and you are technology can quickly evacuate people out of God's judgment. And God is helpless, right? You are jokers, man. I'm teaching God. So say, but Dr. Damina, what about flood? Flood. When God is angry with a city that is in sin, a city like uh, like um, like um, that city in America. There's a city in America where they used to have a lot of floods. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember that city somewhere somewhere in America. Uh, eh? <laughs> You people did not hear him, right? <laughs> By outside, it's a city in America. <laughs> Go ahead! <laughs> that city is always having floods. It's always having floods. New Orleans. New Orleans. And they say, God is angry with America. God is angry with America. And even with the floods that come into New Orleans, they still have time to evacuate people. And even when God's judgment, the so-called God's judgment is upon the town, they come with helicopters on top of God's judgment and be picking people out of the water. 
this God must be a very weak kindergarten God. God is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. God is long suffering. It's your goodness that leads men to repentance. David said, if you shall count iniquity, who can stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be reverenced. The steadfast love of the Lord never fails. His mercy will never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, glory to God. His mercy is from everlasting to I'm teaching good tonight. Now, so many people, their view of God is based on the hardness of men's hearts. There are two levels. You remember the levels? Number one, in the beginning. Then number two, after the fall, when men's heart becomes hardened, the activities thereafter are interpreted as God's character. Which is wickedness. Which is wickedness. Now, teaching good? Let's move. John chapter 9 verse 1. John chapter 9 verse 1 to 5. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. He was blind from his birth. Next verse. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Next verse. Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You know what Jesus is saying? It's not this man is not his parents. There is no sin involved. The only part I will play here is to manifest the works of God. That means I am not responsible for his blindness. So watch. The man did not sin. His parents did not sin. And God did not make him blind. You are not following why is he born blind why do some children come out without nose why do some children come out without legs why is he born blind who sin they are trying to establish generational causes using Jesus so Jesus busted their balloon that there's nothing like generational cause in fact the parent's sin is not noticed. His own sin is not noticed. And it is not God that brought him out blind. But the only part God will play here is to heal him. Why am I poor? Is it my sin? Why am I struggling like this? Is it my parent's sin? Neither your sin, nor your parent's sin, nor God. The only part God will play is to make a way of escape. Why is it that I got married, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a child? 
Some people say, you committed abortion before you married. You committed abortion. You are not innocent. That's why your womb has been damaged. You can't have picking. You're talking like an unbeliever. Because that's the same question. Why is he born blind? Because you can't see somebody that is born from the womb, seen in the womb. Eh? I know some of you will quote one verse for me now. I was shaping in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. That was David. What David is saying is, my mama used to sleep around. Yes, historically, David's mother was, was wonderful. <laughs> I'm serious, historically. David, David's mother was like that. Okay? And when David grew up, he discovered his mother's lifestyle. So when he was talking about himself, he said, me, David... I was shaping in iniquity. That is how I, my mother got pregnant with me cannot really be explained. There was too much iniquity involved. But the point is I came out. You can't quote that for yourself. And I can't quote that for myself because I saw my father and mother and there was no contest on whose child I was. So I wasn't shaping in iniquity. My mother did not conceive me in sin. I'm not David. I'm not David. Stop generalizing scriptures. Always look at scripture within its immediate environment. I'm teaching good. Because that's what Jesus was dealing with here. Who sinned? The boy? His parents? Or who? Jesus said none of them. But that the works of God should be made manifest. Now, you know the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the way they read their Bible is wonderful. They read out of context. Look at a key question. A man born blind from birth. The issue with this kind of verse is this. The Greek translation puts commas and full... St- I mean, the Greek translations did not have commas and full stops but the English translators added commas and full stops and some of the commas are not in right places, some of the full stops are in wrong places, sometimes a chapter ends where it shouldn't end and begins where it shouldn't begin now it will take diligence in study and learning to know all of these, are you here? now it's like when you see John chapter 3 verse 3 except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God except a man be born of water and of the spirit. So somebody says that means you are born in water is water baptism. Then you are born of spirit means you speak in tongues. That is an abuse of the Bible. Water among Jewish people means newness. Newness. So when Jesus says, except a man be born of water, the word and is the kai, K-A-I, the kai rule of Bible interpretation. Meaning, it is not a conjunction. It is capulative. It's a further explanation. So except a man be born of water, that is of the spirit. So water is symbolic of the spirit. Do you understand? He's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about water as a symbol of newness. 
Born again is not second birth. There's nothing like that. Born again is the only birth. Before you are born again, you are dead. The day you are born again was the day you were born. Born again is not a second birth. Born again is the only birth. A man without God has no life. Life begins when Jesus enters. I am come that you may have. So until Jesus comes, you have no life. I'm teaching good. So scriptures must be well interpreted. Except a man be born of water, which is the spirit, he cannot enter. Because to, to enter the kingdom is to be born into the kingdom via the spirit. I can prove it further. John 7.38. Pay attention. The same context. Because John chapter 3 is the same context with John chapter 7. It was the same discourse. So John chapter 7.38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Next verse. But this spake he of the spirit. So rivers of water is what? The spirit. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. I mean, Jesus had not died and risen. So, when you see water, it is symbolic of the spirit. Am I teaching? Yeah. Now, so, same thing with that John chapter 4. Five, where we read on the man that was born blind. The man that was born blind. Now, <clears throat> the man is born blind and I want to deal with some things. Are you still in the building? The question I want to ask is where do babies come from? Where do babies come from? When you get into a maternity ward, listen carefully. When you get into a maternity ward and you hear the cry of babies, where do they come from? Someone says from God. Hmm. Okay. So we have an idea that God is sitting down on a throne in a place called heaven with babies all over. Indian babies, British babies, American babies, black babies, Zimbabwean babies, Nigerian babies, all of them all over the throne. Yeah, 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 shut up. You will soon go to Zimbabwe. Shut up, Afghanistan. So when a husband and wife fast and pray, Father, give us children. Father, give us children. Father, give us children. Come, you cry too much. Go. You know, that's the way we think. So heaven is a nursery with babies all over the place. Oh foolish Galatians. So when God is there, you say, Abban, yes sir, Nigeria. <laughs> oh, Basanjo, yes sir, Nigeria. He said, no, I want Zimbabwe. Shut up, Nigeria. Yes, sir. Ghana. No, I want America. Shut up. Ghana. <laughs> you know, that's the way many of us think. Then God will say, You, 
you will go out blind. Go. You, you have cried too much and poo pooed all over this place. Go out without legs. listen listen carefully so god now sent you from heaven to earth to bring you back to heaven one day if you behave well what kind of wicked god if you know i will not behave well leave me in the nursery (laughs) so god god has dropped all of us from heaven and then you came to earth and then God now wants you to hear the gospel on earth having come from heaven can you see so now God threw you out of heaven to come and hear the gospel on earth to believe so you can come back to heaven it doesn't make sense so babies don't come from heaven I'm teaching good? And you know, that is a question that can throw you off balance. Where do babies come from? And here are some people who are very desperately looking for children. I don't know why God has not blessed us with a child. I don't know why God has been fasting. We've been waiting on God. We've been waiting on God. We know that one of these good days, God will give us a baby. God? You're putting the responsibility on where you shouldn't put the responsibility. Okay, let's think a little. Rats, cockroaches are producing children steadfastly. They have never fasted to have children. The more you flit cockroaches in your heart, the more they are increasing. You wonder where? If animals don't fast to produce children, why should human beings fast to have children? Are animals better than you? I mean, think. Just think about it. So it's not God distributing children. Neither is it God distributing cockroaches. You say, you've been a bad man. (laughs) Cockroaches increasing his house. No, it's not God. We blame God for what God is not even aware of. And we also blame Satan for what Satan is ignorant of. I'm serious. It's just like the, 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 the circle of sin. Did you see that Satan's name is not mentioned? Every man, man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own. His own loss. So the loss is your property. Then when lost is not controlled, it will produce sin. See, there's nothing wrong with desire. 
There's nothing wrong with desire. In fact, if you don't desire, you're not a complete human being. Because what makes you a human being is desire. The problem with desire is when it becomes uncontrolled. When you can't control it, it becomes greed. There's nothing wrong with desire. A man that does not desire a woman is a half man. Because it is natural for a man to desire a woman. Same thing with a woman, desire a man. You say, nice, fine looking man. You say, wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Then you take your eyes quickly away. You look at another thing. That's the control. Lack of control is to look. And look again. And look again. Till Kekenape push you down. I'm teaching good tonight. Now, let's have some thoughts to dwell on. Something happened some time ago in Nigeria. A woman and her husband got pregnant. Husband and wife, they got pregnant. And the wife went to the hospital to deliver. And while she was at her maternity period, the husband had to travel for an official duty. Upon his return, he came to the hospital, two of them are Nigerians, to come and see his child. On arrival, he saw that the baby is Indian. The baby is Indian. Color, hair, everything, Indian. Do you think the husband will say, praise the Lord? The gift of God. Eh? Eh? What would the husband say? <laughs> Madam, <laughs> how far? Nobody so. So for the husband to say, Madam, how far? It means it is not God that gives babies. Because if it is God, the husband should lift his two hands and say, Wonderful, mysterious God. Destiny changer. <laughs> Wonders without end. Indian child. God love us so he gave us Indian child. <laughs> See how you people are making me laugh this night. <laughs> but, but how many of you know that there will be trouble? Why will there be trouble? Because there is a scientific explanation to that issue. Which means it is not God. It means it is within the operations of man. It means babies are a function of men's activities. Okay, wait, wait. Let me give you another scenario here. Something to think about. A young boy that is very violent enters a house, grabs a girl, rapes her, rapes her well and lives and she gets pregnant is it God that put the baby that baby is it from God Eh? does God sanction rape answer now why are you people looking at me does God bless rape 
is rape the will of God? So if it is God, then he shouldn't bless rape with a baby. But because it is not God, out of rape, baby came. I'm teaching good. Just think with me. Somebody said, Dr. Damina, you saying that God doesn't give children. Yes, that's what you're hearing with proper explanation. With proper explanation. So what did God, where do babies come from? That's what we are traveling to arrive at. Because in Bible teaching, we don't give you yes, no. We keep explaining. And as we're explaining different concepts of scripture, your eyes will now see the answer. Do you understand? It's not God. So what part does God play? You will find out in a few. You will find out in a few. Now, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Chapter 1 and 2 does a lot of explanation. There are some people that believe some funny things. For example, look at me everybody. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. Put it up brother. Bereshit Elohim barat et shemayim's letter aret. That's Genesis 1 1. I just read in the Hebrew. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Bereshit in the beginning, Elohim barat. It means God created the heavens, et shemayim's, and the earth, letter aret. Hold on. Hold on. Some people believe. That what happened, please listen to this funny school of thoughts. Some people believe that what happened was that God finished creating heaven and earth. When they read this. But listen, Moses is the creator of Genesis. So Genesis is Moses' teaching notes that contains the promise of an exodus. Moses stood before Israel with Genesis to teach them of God's promise of redemption in Exodus. Because Genesis was Moses' teaching to a people in captivity. Telling them of an Exodus that God promised Abraham in Genesis. That even though you are in captivity, there is hope. An exodus has been promised your ancestors which will come to pass. So Moses will create verbages, vocabulary to explain God's plan, God's thoughts. In Moses' creation, he now brings two words, heaven and earth. That's Moses' vocabulary. That's his verbiage. Which Jesus will improve on and Paul will develop consistency. 
Anywhere you hear heaven and earth in the Bible is from Moses. Everybody borrowed it. It's Moses that introduced the concept of heaven and earth. Then the next thing he explains, because scripture explains itself, he now says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Then he explains further the earth, the earth that God created in the beginning huh, was without form and void and darkness. Now, that earth we are talking about here is not this earth. In Genesis 1, 1, 2, 3, this heaven and earth had not been created. You will see it. I will show you from the Bible. Because Okay, watch. And God said, read verse 3 with me, everybody want to go. Verse 3, put it up, brother. Everybody, verse 3, want to go. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The original Hebrew says, and God said, light be, light was. God was not taking permission. Let there from who? Light be, light was. Question, which light? This light is not sun. It's not moon. It's not stars. So which means the heaven and the earth we are talking of here is not this physical skies and earth. He's talking about a different reality from where this earth and heaven will be created. Because after this, when we go down, now you will see where God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. Which means this light is not the sun, the moon, and the stars. So the question will be, which light is this light? John explains it. John chapter 1 verse 1. Are you ready for this? John chapter 1 verse 1. Let's all read together. John chapter 1 verse 1. Everybody want to go. In the beginning. Hold on. Where is beginning? Genesis. Alright. Let's go. One to go. In the beginning was... And, and, next verse, the same was where? In Genesis, with who? With God. Next verse, all things made by him who? 